Gary Bruce. Welcome to Radio Springfield City. Nice to have you on board. Yeah, lovely to be here, Peter. So, Gary, now, when I first met you, you were on the leadership team of a P-12 to college, and you seem to be on that trajectory of being head of your own school one day. But a number of years later, here you are coaching and counselling people and putting your energy into educating people around mental health. So I've got to ask you the $65,000 question. What has kind of driven this change? Yeah, it, it and it surprised me at the time too. But uh, I guess reaching one of those stages where you start reflecting on where to next and, and sat down and, and what am I passionate about? And what I was passionate about was working one-on-one with young people to help them. You know, I'm, you know I enjoyed being in administration and, and you know, working in the leadership, but really my passion was about that one-on-one with young people, with teenagers, you know, early university, and, and helping them make some decisions and work through issues that were going on. So progressing from there, um, I set up a business and I was, I was working with young people, but more and more of them were presenting with either depression or anxiety. And it really took me on a bit of a journey to say, well, how can I best serve them through some wonderful people I knew who were in the educational psychology area who both recommended becoming involved in mental health first aid. I did a course in mental health first aid, thought it was magnificent, applied to become an instructor, and here I am leading courses in, in schools, in sporting clubs, in, in businesses that employ young people, uh, training them. Gary, we've we've gone through well, almost coming up to three years of COVID. Yeah, uh, have you found that that's been a um, like a turning point in particularly with young people? Surprisingly, what we find is the statistics don't show there's great changes in the mental health. There are some mental health challenges coming up for young people, but also I think there's been a lot more awareness because of COVID that's been helping that work through. What we always need to be mindful of when we start talking about the statistics with mental mental health and, and mental wellness, if we want to say that, is a lot of people don't report. Mm. You know, and particularly young people, they won't ask for help, whether that's because they have some um, misconceptions about what happens if you say you're feeling this way or this is what's going on for you. But a lot of times they don't tell people what's going on. It becomes secondhand. So the statistics we get are only those ones that really get reported. The next thing, Gary, is is there a difference between young men and young women in how they ask for help? Yes, in in generalizing, yes there is, but you know, really don't like to generalize, you know, and just put it based on the genders. But but yes, our, and it's probably coming back to our own generation where being a male and being strong and not crying and and doing all those things is still there. I think we are changing those stigmas and those 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 poor um, beliefs that we had about what it is to be a man um, and you know, not showing your emotions. Mm. But but certainly, you know, we we do find it's still a, a challenge to be getting young males to be talking about what's going on in their lives, and also for young males to be asking their friends, are they okay? You know, right. Through that whole process of trying to take care of someone else. When, when we talk about are you okay? And we don't want to talk about the day every year when everyone says, are you okay? And sending out emails and those text messages and the like. But we hear people, and I've heard it many, many times, it's not good enough asking people one day a year, are you okay? But I want to take that a step further, if we may. How do we then go from saying, are you okay? Till then looking, if you're looking at your mate in the face and he goes, oh, I'm fine. How do you take it to the next step? Or is that what your programs are all about yeah and certainly and 
you know, mental health first aid has, has been around for over 20 years now. So it was formed by Betty Kitchener and Tony Jorm uh, over 20 years ago. Now over 1 million Australians have been through and done mental health first aid training. Really? Wow. It's around the world, um, set up almost like a franchise situation around the world. Over 4 million people have been trained in mental health first aid. So Michelle Obama uh, right. is a person who's done a, a mental health first aid course. So people who come in and do the course, they're in pretty good company you know, with Michelle Obama. What mental health first aid and what made me so me become so drawn to the program is it's not just about awareness. It is about awareness, but it's more than that. It's actually teaching people how to recognise when someone they know is having some challenges with their mental health, but also how to approach them, how to have the conversation. And I think it's wonderful that we're raising awareness and we say, make sure you ask, are you okay? But if people haven't practised that skill or mm. learned how to do that, and if it's not something they're comfortable doing, then they're still going to shy away from doing that. So Are You Okay Day, Are You Okay as a program, all of the other programs that are out there, they're all wonderful. They're all raising awareness and, and bringing it to our attention. My personal view is I think we need to go further. I can ask someone to ask, Are You Okay?, but if, if they haven't developed the skills or practice or learnt mm. how to have that conversation, mm. then they will stop at the, yeah, I'm okay, and not go any further. I think we need to learn to, to develop that ability to have the, the difficult conversation. Gary, you, you talk of the increasing issues with youth mental health. So just how bad is it? And do you get any kind of statistics that you can back that up with? Yeah, certainly. And, and some of the numbers, we, we talk one in five people will have a mental health issue. Um, with our young people, we're talking one in four young people, so 15 to 24 years of age, will have a mental health issue within the next 12 months. So wow, that's pretty staggering, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So when I, when I do the training, one of the you know, um, statistical you know, sort of um, discussions I have is if it's one in four, in the last year, I, I taught a class and there was 24 people. So I still mm -hmm. do some work in a school. I love standing out the front being the teacher. I'm one of those people. <laughs> so one in four. In a class of 24, that means six young people who are sitting in that room. Statistically, mm, yes. you know, six young people will have a mental health challenge in the next 12 months. You push past that, the statistical figures on those who have serious thoughts of suicide, it's one in 12. My goodness. So that's two people sitting in that room in front of me. Statistically, again, mm, I need yes. to stress that statistically, there's two young people sitting in that room who will have a serious thought of ending their life within the next 12 months. They're the statistics that bring me in. You go further than that, we know people who are going to have a mental health challenge throughout their life, 50% will have their first episode before the age of 18. Goodness. 75% before the age of 25. So... The program I run most regularly in schools or in businesses or sporting clubs is the Mental Health First Aid for Youth. That's for adults who are interacting with youth to be able mm -hmm. to support them. If we can identify and recognise that someone's having a mental health challenge, we can get in and do something about them. We can have the conversation and encourage them to get the appropriate professional help. We can change their lives because we know 50% before the age of 18, if they can get some support, there's great hope for positive outcomes. But if they don't get the support at that early age, then we've just got this almost snowball effect rolling on, impacting so many areas of their life. 
their education, their possible employment, their relationships, their general physical health as well mm. as their mental health are all going to be impacted. So Gary, when we talk about mental health challenges, can you give us an idea of what, and I know that I guess the ultimate is somebody contemplating or in the end taking their own lives, but what are some of the other mental health issues? When we're talking particularly with our, our young people, you know, the three most common, you know, so we're talking anxiety is the number one, depression, and then thirdly is substance abuse, you know, right. and substance misuse, you know, going through. So they're the three that we deal with. There are others as well, but they're certainly the three major areas of mental health challenges that a young person will face. Anxiety, definitely the highest. So is it possible to, in a classroom situation, you've got 24 students in front of you there, can you look in their eyes and kind of mm. see just what you could be dealing with? What we would hope people are recognising is when something is different. Right. There's a changed behaviour. If someone is suddenly disengaging from their friendship groups, disengaging from those things they've loved, let's say they were an avid netball player and suddenly they're dropping out of the team. Now, there can be other reasons for that happening, mm. but we want to be at that point where we're starting to recognising that something's different and that then allows us to have that empathetic conversation. Such and such, I've noticed you've disengaged, you're not coming along to netball training anymore, you used to really love that. I need to ask, are you okay? Right. And so if we're recognising those changes. Could we take a break and come back and talk about how families can look at that situation? Certainly. Gary, we were talking just a few moments ago about like a classroom situation and mm -hmm. uh, the young person who's no longer engaged in whether it's netball or basketball or they're sporting. I'm at home and, and I've noticed that over a short period of time there's a change in one of my children. How do you broach that without, well, I guess the question is, how do you go about broaching the subject in the first place? Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. And the recognising that there's something going on and there's something is different. The conversation that we want to be having, first of all, it's starting with empathy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and showing that you care. And that's as simple as saying, I'm worried about you. I've noticed some things are different. Can you tell me mm -hmm. what's going on right now? And having that conversation. But ultimately, if, if we're concerned about the mental health, the mental well-being, we need to be encouraging people to get the appropriate professional help. I liken it to a, a physical first aid. So most of us have, many, many people have done a physical first aid course. And mm. we're all doctors, A, B, C, D, we know. Once we finish that course, that doesn't mean we can operate and remove an appendix or do anything. True. We're yeah. still going to that appropriate professional help. And so as part of the program through Mental Health First Aid, we use the acronym LG. So instead of doctors, A, B, C, D, it's A-L-G-E-E. -E. So we approach, assess and assist a person with any crisis we listen and communicate non-judgmentally. We give support and information. We encourage the person to get appropriate professional help. And we encourage other help. So ALGEE -E, instead of the doctors ABCD. Mm -hmm. But our goal is to get them to the appropriate professional help. And in many cases, that's getting someone along to the GP. Right. So we can start the process of finding out how they can get the support that they need to overcome the challenges they're facing. Going back to my early family days, I could imagine broaching uh, any subject with my children and the initial thing would be, I'm okay, they're in a bad mood, the door gets slammed. Mm. But 
as a parent, you know your child. Can you give us any idea how you go to that next step? And that will happen. And it'll, it'll happen not only for parents, but for anyone who's interacting. It could be a sports coach or a teacher or anyone who's there that the initial response mightn't be there. Mm. I often talk about the fact that one of the most important things we can achieve is staying connected, booking that next catch-up. If a person's in a crisis situation, we, we think there's you know, non-suicidal self-injury or they're having suicidal thoughts, then there's certainly we move into a crisis action plan. But if we're not believing they're in a crisis situation... How can we be supporting them? By staying in contact with them. What's that next time we're going to catch up and have another conversation? And just keep working, keep talking, and we're looking for that opportunity to say, hey, do you think it would be worthwhile going and seeing the GP? It could be that there's a, a vitamin deficiency. There's something else that's impacting your lack of ability to sleep, the way you're feeling, etc., etc. How about we go and see the GP? And once we get to the GP then the GP can have a conversation about mental health. Mm. Mm. Um, can, in a family situation, if you know that you've got difficulties with your own children, could you get a, a family member to become involved and the like as well? Yeah, it's, that's, a, a, that's a great point to make, Peter. It may be that the person who recognises that something's different, something's changed, is not the person to be having the conversation. They may have a connection that's, that's much stronger, mm. that's a better person to be talking to, and that person will have that empathetic relationship, which will allow the person to speak about it. Right. You know? and, and what we find and what the research shows is that if an empathetic person asks the question about mental health or NSSI or suicidal thoughts, most times people will answer honestly mm. if it's coming from that empathetic. You, you touched on a few moments ago when we were talking about um, some of the ways of particular people that have got anxiety and, um, uh, and depression but also substance abuse. I think some of us may be able to recognise from watching, you know, whether it's items that have come up in social media or on the news and the like, how would you go about broaching that kind of situation with, uh, with your family? It's, and it's, all of these are difficult, difficult conversations. Mm. And as I think I've said previously when we were talking, People learning how to have these conversations is part of the reason why I think these courses are so valuable right. you know, or something similar to them. But what we need to do is we're coming from a place of empathy and we're observing things. I've observed the following things. I've noticed this. I'm worried about you. I care mm. about you. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and I think we need to be approaching that. In one of the training courses we do, one of the people say, oh, yeah, but my mate won't respond really well. I might end up losing a friendship my response would be, I'd rather lose a friendship than a friend. Yeah, good point. And I think that's it. it. It can be a difficult conversation and it may be that that person doesn't respond well to it, but you're coming from a place of empathy and you're caring about that person. Mm. They will recognise that or we hope they will recognise that as we go forward. We're going to take another break, Gary, then we're going to come back and we'll talk about the, uh, the courses that you run. All right, Gary, we've, we've touched uh, so many people this morning talking about a, a, a very, very sensitive area. Can you give us an idea then about the, the courses that you run and then toward the end how we may be able to get involved in those courses? Yeah, certainly. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, a trainer with Mental Health First Aid Australia. I'm on 
are self-employed, but I'm qualified to deliver their courses. So there's a range of courses that uh, Mental Health First Aid offers to people. Standard Mental Health First Aid for people who are just working in the community. We have Mental Health First Aid for Youth, which is the one I really focus on in my work in schools. Mental Health First Aid for Teens. We also have specific programs for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. We also, the legal profession. So Mental Health First Aid has really tried to tailor the mm. programs for specific groups. I could imagine one size in this area doesn't fit all. No, cer- no. certainly doesn't. And, yeah. you know, we, we need to be aware of the you know, different, particularly when we're talking about the program for Indigenous, you mm. know, that needs to be coming in the language that we're there. So, you know, we need to be aware of the diversity of people in our community. True. You know, so going through. The courses are also adapted so that, you know, they can be offered in a, a two-day f- face-to-face program. They can also be offered as a online and then face-to-face or an online completely online program so it's really allowing for people to be able to enjoy being a part of the course and benefiting from the course in a way that best suits them right you know so that's the the mental health first aid courses there's also other specific courses uh, we have one course which which i deliver which is conversations about suicide mm-hmm. you know that's a, a short course which is teaching people how to have that conversation with someone that they're worried about for me personally i, I target that to an age group where we have some some significant challenges, and that's men in age group forty to sixty. Right, you know, which is some of our highest. You know, we have large numbers of people who, who end their lives each year. Well over three thousand last year. Seventy five percent of them are male, mm. and quite a high percentage are in that age group, that forty to sixty age group. So, and that's difficult. It has been difficult. Let me change my words. There. It has been difficult for guys to have those conversations with their mates. Yes. And we need to change that. Yeah. We're getting better. We've had some situations and that's brought it to public awareness, but now we need to develop those skills. I can remember, Gary, earlier in our conversation, I, I broached about when we were talking about the statistics about young men and young women, I was kind of thinking more to this particular age group. Mm. Are women more open to discussion than men? Are women more open than men? Look... Again, let's not make it a mm-hmm. binary women and men, but yes. yes, probably there is more open conversations that occur in some cases. Not to say that there aren't men who with their mates have some pretty deep sure. conversations yeah. as well, but yes, that is that is what happens right. in most cases. Also look at just the different age groups. Our, our younger people now, the language around uh, mental health of depression and anxiety is something which would get used more than it would have done when we were younger talking those through mm. but we still have an awful lot of young people who won't seek help when they know something's going wrong right gary can you give us an idea as to how people can make contact with you and is it through social media phone numbers websites yeah, certainly i mean there there are i'm not the only mental health first aid trainer out there there's a, a number of you know wonderful people out there delivering these courses for me my business is going beyond results um I came from a background of pushing academic results was what it was about. And mm. then I decided it needs to be more than just the results. So setting that up. So that is my business. But also they can go onto the Mental Health First Aid website um, and they'll find a number of trainers who are there available to be delivering these courses online, face-to-face, right across the country. Yeah. Gary, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, uh, today. We, uh, we will certainly get you back in the new year and we'd like to make uh, this a, a more... It's sad that we have to do that, mm. but we know that there is an urgent need out there, and if we can provide a conduit for you to, to talk to our audience, then we'd be only too pleased to have you back again soon. I'd love to be back, Peter. Thank you.